Hello, guys. Uh, go ahead and turn over your Bibles to Ephesians 1. Come on, Stephen. The title of my lesson tonight is uh, Rebellions Are Built on Hope. Uh, and Matt did a great job of uh, kind of exposing this idea of hope in his, uh, his lesson on, on Sunday. And he had this really big and like impassioned introduction about reclaiming this idea of hope. And like this idea of hope, uh, you know, launches armies, and, you know, has created a... Uh, political movements and things like that. But and the entire time I was literally like waiting for him to drop this bomb, which was a reference to the new Star Wars movie where they say this about three or four times, but it never came. So to correct that injustice, there it is. <laughs> uh, yes, rebellions are built on hope. If you have not seen Rogue One, go ahead and do yourself a favor, correct that mistake. Go and see Rogue One. Uh, <laughs> Amen. Ephesians 1. And I've again made the mistake of not turning there myself after asking you guys to. I'm correcting it now. Thank you. <laughs> Ephesians 1, starting in verse 15. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to, his, to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills uh, everything in every way. Wow. And amen. But going back to verse 18, Paul writes, you know, he prays that the church's eyes will be enlightened so they can know the hope to which they have been called. And uh, there's this idea of hope in the Bible, which doesn't really uh, correspond to the idea that we have in English of hope. Uh, This gets talked uh, talked a lot about, but you know, this idea, when I say I hope for something, uh, it's kind of just like a wishful thought or it'd be a nice, it would be nice if this happened. Like every day or every, uh, not, well, maybe every day, every year, I, I hope that the Eagles win the Super Bowl. And it hasn't happened yet, unfortunately. Uh, but I have that, like, hope. And it's, like, it's not really like, a, oh, man, like, I'm going to work with everything I can because I can't really do that because I'm not on the Eagles or anything like that. But it's kind of just like, oh, that'd be nice. That would, like, make my year kind of good. Uh, but there's this idea of hope in the Bible, which is, like, this great certainty. You know, this expectation of what God is and has promised and will happen, which is such a far cry from what we see as hope. And our word of hope just falls so short of any kind of power in that way. And there's this dichotomy that's drawn so clearly between this worldly definition that we have and this godly definition. I think, unfortunately, without even, you know, diving into the semantics, uh, we, we, our faith kind of conforms to this worldly idea of hope. Where we take the promises of the Bible and we like, it, it just becomes a sort of wishful thinking, a nice suggestion. Like, that would be nice if that was true. Uh, And that really, I think, affects our boldness when we go out and we try to live out discipleship in our our lives. You know, and we go out and share our faith and we'll be like, oh man, like, it would be really nice if someone was open. 
It'd be super great if someone just happened to give me their number. That would just be a nice thing that could happen here. I hope it happens. Instead of taking a promise like the harvest is plentiful, yeah. you know, at the proper time we'll reap that harvest and running with it with an expectation. Yeah. You know, that boldness driving us forward instead of just wishful thinking. You know, I think it, it affects our boldness in Bible studies. And I know this is big for myself where, you know, we're like, oh man, I just hope their heart changes. You know, that would be really nice if they were impacted by the sin study or this cross study. And so consequently, you know, having just that wishful thinking instead of this expectation of God's deliverance and God changing people's hearts, I don't really ask the hard questions because I'm not faithful that they're going to respond well to them. I'm not faithful that their heart's really going to change through all that. Yeah. Uh, you know, or we, we, we think it'd be nice if God would take care of me uh, in this crazy period of, at work or, you know, in these financial, financially stressful times, uh, if I put him first, it'd be nice if that happened, but I don't really want to risk it. You know, we have this hope and it's like, this would be nice uh, but at a real, like, functional, where, like, putting, putting your money where your faith is, we don't really want to risk it. Yeah. We don't really take those promises of seek first the kingdom and all this will be provided for you as well as, like, an actual expectation of God's providence. Yeah. And this type of hope changes nobody. This type of hope only cows to fear. It only responds to doubt and gives in to all these things. And, I, you know, when we... Hold on to this worldly hope. Our discipleship is in jeopardy. When this is the greatest that our hope is, our discipleship is, is in danger of dying. When what's supposed to be this, this amazingly powerful uh, force, you know, to, to get us to be bold, uh, to, to be led by the Spirit, uh, turns into something that we just kind of cash in uh, to give into fear, our discipleship is in jeopardy when we're pulling back our boldness instead of pushing it forward. You know, if we had this true hope, like Matt was talking about, this IMAX picture of God, of the expectations, uh, you know, of, of fulfilled promises that God makes in the Bible, if we had this great assurance, nothing would be able to stop us. Yeah, come on. But I know for myself, I can so many times fall so short of this. And I think, you know, a theme we have going on in the campus uh, this semester is growing up in the stature of Christ, right. which is actually taken from a couple uh, passages over in Ephesians. But, you know, this idea of just growing up into becoming Jesus, you know, transforming, and this is, you know, transformation is what we're talking about in the entire church, but transforming into Jesus. You know, and I think if we saw salvation so clearly, if we took the promises of the Bible as like guarantees instead of just lofty and hopeful suggestions, you know, and we wrote them on our hearts instead of just in our notebooks, instead of just texting them to each other, we actually acted on them, game over, like the world would be changed. If we actually took these promises and like ran with them with great assurance and not just say wishful, I hope this would be, I wish this could happen. But I know for myself, it's so easy to fall into that that, that kind of uh, worldly hope. Uh, It's so easy to fall into just giving into that kind of doubt and that fear and just changing the, the promises of the Bible into just these suggestions. Uh, and, and I think I do this and like, I don't even realize it sometimes. Uh, like go about my day and I, I don't even see how little assurance I have in going about my day. And I think I've gotten really good at doing spiritual things. Uh, especially like working for the church, you know, like my life is just doing like things that on the outside look spiritual. But it's like so easy for me to do those things like without faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I've gotten good at like having quiet times. 
I've gotten, you know, good at just going and sharing my faith, uh, evangelizing, like just studying the Bible with people. But then I can like go after a day of, you know, all these spiritual things filling my time uh, and be like, wow, like I didn't actually have like great expectations for those things. It kind of just turned into a checklist. I wasn't really pushing the envelope. I wasn't really being bold in how I did all of that. I only realized how small my expectations were and how little I went after speaking the truth boldly. Uh, and it's so easy to be like self-deceptive in that way. Uh, and just doing these spiritual things without real hope. And the question is, how do we snap out of this? Uh, and I think Paul gives us half the answer here in uh, verse 18. You know, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. And this is one of these weird concepts where we like, need the power of God to understand the power of God. Uh, and we need like, grace to be able to understand grace. Uh, which is like, one of these weird like, circular things. Don't, like, don't freak yourself out by like, trying to like, pick that apart for all it's worth. But I think just the idea of praying for understanding that hope. Praying to have our eyes set above the horizon. Above what the troubles of our life are. Above what we've actually set our hope in. Because I think uh, this, if we're, this is a spiritual battle, we have to go about this in a spiritual way. Prayer has to be at the forefront of this, but are we bold in how we're praying for this? Are we going after having these enlightened eyes in our prayer? But I think also the flip side of that is going after this hope uh, in a very real way by taking risks. Uh, and go ahead and turn over to John 8. Come on. This is one of these passages that everyone knows, even if they're not a Christian. Uh, plastered all over places like uh, law schools. I think this is like a big thing. Uh, you know, like the truth will set you free. But in, in John 8, 31, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You know, this idea of holding to the teachings, and you'll know the truth, and then it's going to set you free. And I think, you know, we obviously know this from a very, like, basic, like, head knowledge level. We all have this passage memorized one way or another. Uh, when I said this, I'd be very surprised if this was, like, a new passage for anybody. But I think we can fall so short and so easily into a, disciple, a, a discipleship that's devoid of risk. You know, where we're not really holding to the teachings. And I think we can get to a certain point in our spiritual lives where we're not, like, sinning, like, overtly in a ton of ways. Uh, we've repented of a lot of, like, outward things where people are like, you know, they live a pretty good life. But when discipleship just becomes about not sinning, uh, instead of pushing forward and holding to the teachings and holding to the teachings about boldness, we're coming up short. And we're not holding to these teachings of being radical, the way that Jesus has really called us to be. Holding to the teachings about the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Are we holding to those teachings? Not just the ones about, you know, the way our lives look. You know, and when we don't do this, I think we, we fall short of this real hope. You know, this real hope that, you know, rebellions are built upon. This rebellious hope. Uh, but are we holding to the teachings in this way? And that takes risk. Uh, and I think it's, it's easy. I think we reach a point in our discipleship where we're like, okay, this is enough. You know, and it's, it's amazing because I think, you know, most of us have changed so much since we've become disciples. And the way we're living our lives is like so radically different 
than the way we were. And like compared to that, I think we need, you know, compared to the way we used to live our lives, we need to rejoice in that for sure. But not just be caught up in the, the, the progress that we've made and reach like an acceptable limit based upon how we used to live. But pushing the envelope in that way. Uh, and I, th- I think the question has to be asked, when was the last time you really risked, stump- risked something in pursuit of discipleship? When was the last time you risked, you know, even something as huge as a job for discipleship or a promotion uh, in order to make sure, you know, shore up your relationship with God, you know, to be bold in your workplace? When was the last time you risked something like a relationship uh, either in family or friends, to be bold for the gospel? When's the last time you risked your reputation at work to be bold for the gospel, to hold to these teachings? Because uh, I, I, if we never take risks, I'm not sure it's actually faith. Because when I look at what Jesus talks about in terms of biblical discipleship and biblical faith, Jesus asks us to risk everything. Yeah. If, if we're living a life that's devoid of risks, like no matter how much we've changed, if there's no risk whatsoever in our life, are we really faithful? Are we really holding to those teachings? You know, and I think when we, when we don't do that, it's not, when we don't take risks, it's not true faith. Yeah. Uh, we, we don't really trust God to care for us in those moments. And I think, you know, we trust in other things. And like Matt said, we get to a point where we try to serve two masters. Uh, go ahead and turn over to Luke 16. You know, when we're not taking risks and we're just, we're just trying to you know, put our hope in other things, we end up serving two masters. And the Bible tells us that this, this is impossible to do effectively. Uh, Luke 16, uh, uh, 13. No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And I'm coming from a place where I've, I've tried this before, like serving two masters, uh, like especially in high school. Uh, I was trying to study the Bible. I was trying to uh, figure things out from a spiritual level, but was also just like addicted to success, like addicted to uh, my reputation and kind of like getting ahead in things, uh, and it just did not work. And it, I took like the the hardest uh, course load that like anybody could at my high school. And it's funny because I wasn't. I don't actually think I was. I was so attached to like the success and like what that would give me so much as like how that would make me stack up in terms of other people. Yeah. You know how I could really, uh, you know, put myself above that above other people in my own eyes. And say like, hey, this is like my GPA, this is my class rank, this is like the college I'm going to go to, the job I'm going to get, I'm better than you. Like that's the way I kind of, I, I, that's why I was going after those things. Mm-hmm. Just like from like the worst kind of selfish ambition uh, possible. Mm-hmm. But was like taking five AP classes, like playing football, playing the cello, just like running myself into the ground, like getting for like five hours of sleep every night. And like being like, oh yes, yeah, so like I'm studying the Bible, like I'm trying to figure this out. Uh, but... That moment in my life, you know, when, ev- when anything got tough, uh, I was like the first person to bail out on going to church. I was the first person to bail out on having a Bible study, having a quiet time, standing up for righteousness uh, in front of my friends. Uh, as soon as things got tough, it was very clear which master I loved and which one I despised. Uh, God was the master that I despised. My, my own life, my own success, that was, that was the master that I loved. Right. Uh, and my hope was on these things, and, and my discipleship was in shambles 
uh, no matter how much like effort I put into it, because I just wasn't willing to like risk my comfort, risk my reputation, risk my chance at an elite school. I uh, didn't want to risk like any of those things. Uh, and as soon as like the idea of risking any of those things came up in a Bible study, I just like ran away from it uh, completely. But it was, it absolutely blew my mind like three years later, having become a disciple, I've actually like risked those things. And this, this was kind of like, this has been the, the story of my discipleship, uh, has been, you know, fighting off, putting, you know, school above that. Uh, and just like, it's been amazing, I think, just to see how, how God has been able to change my heart just by taking little risks at a time in that. Uh, and three, year, three years later, I was coming back from a, a campus swap, uh, going, like, coming into spring semester at UVA. Uh, and at that campus swap, I like, saw so clearly the, uh, just the promises of God and had like, risked everything, like, you know, just to, uh, was, was going out to sharing my faith like crazy, like putting myself out there. I was like, wow, I didn't die. Like, people yelled at me, and it was okay. Uh, literally, it was like yelled at people as I tried to share my faith. Uh, and like, literally, the word like, Jesus didn't even come out of my mouth before they just started yelling at me. Uh, but I was like, wow, like, this is amazing, and came back. Like, the, the hope of God's promises was just so clear to me at that moment. Uh, coming back, and I was like, God is going to move. And came back and shared my faith for the first time with David De Los Santos. And like, every person that we shared with was open. It would like blew my mind. Because like two weeks previous, like it seemed like nobody was open. We shared our, our faith for like 45 minutes, and I like, got like six numbers, like set up like two Bible studies, like time and place. I remember calling uh, Eric Guyman, and I was like, dude, if you have not gotten out there today, like you need to get out because something has changed on this campus. Like everybody is open. Like any spare moment we have, we need to start like harvesting this harvest, all right? Bringing in all this, uh, all, all this ripe grain. Uh, and it was just insane. And that, that semester, like, we went after it as a campus ministry, uh, just with, like, studying the Bible and w- with people. And the finals week came up, and we were studying the Bible with two or three people. And I remember studying the Bible with people every day during finals week. And was, I got to this one final, and I was like, I'm not sure if I've studied for this enough. Uh, but I, I was like, okay, I need 64 points to not fail this class. <laughs> and you know you're at a great point when you're, like, counting the percentage that you need not to fail a class, like not to get an A, but just like not to, not to have to repeat this next semester. I was like, 64, I should be able to do that, all right? So I took the exam, added up all the points that I knew I had gotten for sure. And I was like, 58 points. I was like, oh man. <laughs> and like, I got home and I just like, I, I prayed and I was like, surprised. I was like, God, like, I felt like I gave everything to you this week. Uh, and, you know, if the price of, if the price of uh, you know, me putting you first in discipleship this week is, like, me having to uh, retake this class, like, I'm going to put it in your hands. You decide, like, I was, like, surprisingly surrendered about this to a guy who couldn't even, like, imagine a C uh, three, years, three years prior was, like, I'm okay with failing a class. And, like, looked at my life and I was, like, what in the world has happened here? Like, the way that God had just transformed my heart, like, blew my mind within, like, such a short amount of time. Uh, But it just took putting, like, taking risks, building my faith, increasing my boldness, and not responding to fear. Uh, And, you know, I look back at my time at UVA, uh, my GPA could have been better. It wasn't awful. Like, I I wasn't, like, you know, extremely reckless or anything. Like, I graduated uh, above a 3.0. It could have been better... 
but I don't regret like not getting like a 3.8, like a 4.0. The things I regret are not sharing my faith more, not uh, really using opportunities I had with the people I had in class to go after, you know, risking, risking it even more uh, for that, like those prime opportunities to share my faith. That's what I do regret. Uh, and I think, church, we need to go after this hope. And we need to go after this life of no regrets. Uh, where we, we, we look back at, you know, at, at something that we, we might lose and we say, you know what, it wasn't, I, I'm glad with the way I actually you know, spent that time. Uh, because of the lives that I was able to change, you know, because of the ways that God was able to use me, like that job wasn't that important. You know, like this, this situation, like God took care of me through it anyway. And you know, I got, I, a few weeks later, I, I got my grade back uh, for that class and I ended up getting a B for so, who even knows how. Uh, I think maybe the professor was just like merciful on me, but I was just like, praise the Lord <laughs> that God had taken care of me. But amen, church. Uh, I just have a couple uh, questions for us that, that Matt uh, gave us for, uh, for kind of our discussions here. I'll go ahead and write these down. But question one, where is your hope? And a great way to, uh, to answer that question is to say, okay, once I have blank, then I'll be happy. If only I had blank, then I will be happy and satisfied. Whatever that blank is, is where you're currently putting your hope. Question. And then the second question uh, is, what's a promise you can hold on to to put your hope in God? What's a promise that you can hold on to to put your hope in God? And amen. I'm going to close out here in a quick prayer.